Today's episode is presented by Lodestar, the fee experts. Hi, everyone. It's Elena again. And today I'm here at Namba Connect in uh, Orlando, Florida. I'm really excited for this week's episode. We're going to be diving in with a few different guests about diversity, equity, and inclusion in the mortgage industry. Um, So I'm going to let them go ahead and give you their answers. We do have a little bit of a fun fact at the end. We are going to ask every guest what their favorite Disney movie is. Um, Since we are on Disney property here today, my personal favorite as a kid was Little Mermaid. Um, So, and I'm really excited for the remake. So without any further ado, I'm going to let you jump right into it. And do not forget to like and subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. And we can't wait to see you next week. In an industry that's rapidly evolving and where hiring and firing tends to be because of rises and falls in volume, what is the importance of a constant commitment to DEI? I think um, the importance of a constant commitment to DEI um, in this industry is making sure that everyone is gaining valuable skills and education on their in their positions so that when the market, we all know the market goes up and down, so when it goes back up, you know, comes around, everyone is in a well position to land a new employment. That's a great question. I think all companies need to be able to have a regular and honest conversation with themselves on how they can bring people in, train those people, and utilize people from diverse backgrounds, diverse sources, whether it's colleges, whether it's uh, you know different trade organizations, doing that and training them up properly, bringing them in on your own will help when times change where you go from economic you know, flourishing companies where hiring was constant to times where economically, you know, you might have to contract a little bit and you have to fire people. So you, you or lay off people. So I think, you know, a constant commitment to that will give you that pipeline that's always there. And it gives you an opportunity to train up people that are with you for a longer period of time. So I, I think that's, that's a big reason why, you know, the economy in general is a big reason why you should, why you should keep your eyes on the, uh, the, the diversity scale? Well, I mean, I think it's important to be constantly committed and actually to be very intentional about hiring for DE&I. Um, I, everybody wants to feel included. And the sad truth is for such a long time, not everyone was included. And I think as an organization, any organization has to be committed to doing that. Otherwise, they will fail because if you have a company in an industry, you have to kind of res- respect and represent the demographic that you're going after. And people feel included when they see people from companies that look like them. So representation truly matters. So I think it is truly very important to be committed to that, to be focused on that, and to be intentional about that. That's a great question. I think that the broader economy, business in general, including the housing markets, all do much better when everybody participates. Whether you're in the majority or the minority, if everybody is brought up and everybody equally participates, I think that the economy as a whole Uh, is much better off. So I think it's really important that you maintain a commitment and uh, be aware of all your diversity efforts and uh, make it part of your business every day. I think what's important is to kind of, you know, understand that when you're in an environment where things have to contract and things have to expand, that you still look at the makeup of your company and you still, you know, make those decisions based on talent, um, but also on representation because that's really important. Um, I just know from a personal standpoint, 
um, just growing up and you know rising in the ranks of, of the industry is you know to be able to work with people and see other people just like you um, is important for you to feel like you belong there. You know, and it's also important in our industry because you know the the market's changing. So DEI starts from within before it can go without. What changes in the industry have made room for a bigger, more fruitful DEI conversation? Sure, uh, lots of changes in the industry are bringing this, but one of them off the top of my head that I think makes the most sense is uh, aging out of our industry. It's been going on for the last ten years, and it's consistently becoming more and more prevalent, right? You guys are looking at a lot of uh, a lot of movement in the appraisal side of the world where uh, people are talking about how far aged out they are and, you know, like less than 5% are in the, uh, you know, in the market 30 or under. And so this is a great reason why, you know, DEI has to be part of the equation. Okay, so I, honestly, so the sad thing is, it's the bad things that's happened that pushes change. So when you look at things like the death of George Floyd, when you look at the Black Lives Matter movements and things like that, um, I think it's opened the door for deeper and bigger conversations and people to, I think they've gotten bold and now they're speaking up to say, hey, that is not okay. Um, this is what's acceptable. And D&I is so, it's so broad, but it should be inclusive, but it's not naturally a thing. It's not something that should just be checked off a box and says, hey, I did that. It is an intentional, strategic, sustainable approach. I don't think the changes in the industry per se or maybe just changes in society in general. I think social media uh, has brought awareness, uh, just media in general has bringing, brought a much greater awareness about uh, what we can do and what we can do a much better job of. So I think in general, just being aware, I think will change the scope of how businesses operate, how people operate, and continue to make sure that we do the right thing every day. I really just think it's, it's, it starts with leadership. It just starts with leadership starting to have that conversation. You know, they're starting to look at the data. I think technology um, has been a, a, a wonderful tool, you know, from people who do software, you know, with title companies and, you know, even with, with Lodestar, you know, software, you know, you guys pull data together. And I think the data is what's really driving, you know, executive decisions um, to who they need to, to target their products towards, right? And so in that case, you know, th now that they know that diversity is, is in their consumer base, they have to have that within because you can't tailor these products or these initiatives or these policies without actually asking people that you already know that are working with you, right? Great question. Um, I think the changes that we've seen in the industry is more organizations like NAMBA, the National Association of Minority Mortgage Bankers of America, and um, more organizations like NAMBA, which I'm happy to help and serve, are becoming more prevalent in the market and more professionals on the sales side and originations and the operations side are joining and it's a way to level up in their experience and their skills and I think that's what's become more prevalent. Um, the diversity initiatives within NAMBA, within the Financial Services Diversity Inclusion Council, and uh, organizations like NARAB are making the exposure more prevalent in our market. What changes still need making? What does progress in DEI look like in five years, 10 years? 
Okay, so changes that needs to be made. You know, I said it in my earlier answer. It is not something to be checked off on a box. Somebody says, oh, I hired a woman. Great, I'm covered. No, I hired somebody <laughs> that's black. Great, I'm covered. Somebody, I hired somebody from the Asian community. I'm covered. Those are the changes that needs to happen. You know, it's like, it's not just a one. It is so broad. You know, as I mentioned, in five years, I do see a deeper understanding for companies. Um, I think that if they start to study companies that do it well, they'll gain better understanding standing and they'll be able to. So in five years, I think I'll see us moving a little closer to it. In 10 years, I think that we'll absolutely be a lot closer. I don't think we'll ever be 100% of the way because there's all system and policies in place that, you know, needs dismantling. The good thing is um, most of them are older, so they're being phased out. But I love the new generation because they absolutely are teaching us the way to do it. So those are the things that are happening and those are the things that I think are going to happen in five to ten years. So I think, you know, ch change is never immediate. Uh, I think the changes that we put in place today will probably see the fruits five to ten years down the road. It takes time. So I think it's really important that you just make sure you, you stay the course and you stay committed. It's easy, especially in an industry like ours, that sees such ups and downs. It's very easy to get uh, sort of segued into focusing on the business. But you have to maintain your core principles and the things that make your company strong and make sure that you maintain a commitment to diversity and make sure it continues. It's super, super important. So I'm very excited about this. I feel like we are starting to have a lot of recognition in this space um, from the need for more financial literacy in, in underserved communities, for you know, closing the wealth gap. These are terms that were never mainstream before, and they're starting to be there. But we absolutely have a very long way to go. The only way we're going to be able to do, have any social impact with policies or justice um, or anything like that is to be able to create opportunities for these communities to build wealth. So I think in the next five years, we're going to see a lot more um, partnerships between larger organiza uh, organizations like lenders and title companies and housing industry, and not even the housing industry, but just financial services, trying to bridge that gap through education. You know, everyone's starting to realize that to get to underserved communities, you have to have a lot of personal outreach, community outreach, to get to that level of consumer base. So I think that in the next five years, we're going to see more of that. I think in 10 years, you know, you're going to see, and hopefully, I, this is my hope, but I hope that the conversation is going to be so broad that there are going to start to be more products and more policies, you know, from the top on Capitol Hill all the way down, you know, to, to us, the little lenders, um, that will help us, um, you know, alleviate things like poverty and, and create wealth um, and create policies of equality, because it really does begin with, with um, improving communities. I think the changes that need to be made um, are we need more financial education and literacy. I believe um, we also need more builders incentives to build affordable and entry-level housing. Right now, we all know across the country there's a housing shortage and um, that limits the access to lower-end communities. So if we had more incentives for builders and developers to build affordable housing, um, that would help with home ownership for underprivileged and um, lower-income communities. And that also will decrease the wealth gap because we all know that the main wealth gap comes from uh, lack of home ownership. So um, in five years, I think uh, we will see an increase in just overall knowledge and financial literacy. People are learning. They're learning from um, the crash in 2008, and now they're learning from the shortage uh, or 
their shortage of housing and the recession um, that we are maybe facing right now. So I think um, more people will be educated and more people will know what to do. Um, more people will be in a better financial position in five years, um, especially uh, the professionals in this industry. Since a lot of us have been in it um, the whole time, we know, okay, this is what we need to do. And this is how we're going to bunker down and um, ride the wave. So from an equity and inclusion standpoint, I think the biggest things that we need to focus on are making sure inclusion isn't just a part of the advertisement, right? We don't want that to be what's happening. It's great for public companies to tell their shareholders, this is what we're doing. But without practically applying it and showing the measured results, where are we actually getting other than to some great marketing plays? So really focus on the inclusion. Diversity is a given. It's there. Your geographic area will already dictate what, what diversity looks like for you. And, you know, work from home will allow you to expand that. But inclusion is based on your leadership and being able to bring your groups together, whether they're work from home, hybrid, or in the office. And so five years, three years, ten years from now, it's really about how you can master the inclusivity piece. Seeing as we are on Disney property here at Namba, what's your favorite Disney movie? My favorite Disney movie is probably a Pixar movie, and it's probably Cars. Oh, man, that changes all the time. Like, it, it from, you know, I think depending on where I am in my life, it tends to change. But I would say my favorite movie right now is Up, and it's only because I'm getting married in January, and I made him, my fiancé, sit down and watch it, and now he loves that. And even for my birthday, he got me a card. That's an Up card. And uh, I think we're, our, our guest book's going to be the adventure book, you know, to sign in. So that's kind of my movie right now. It's just really cute. So go see it. My favorite Disney movie, I love all the Marvel, Disney Marvel movies, but my favorite um, old school Disney movie would be The Lion King. <laughs> I love Lion King. All right. That's easy for me. Remember the Titans. My favorite Disney movie, it's not a cartoon, it's a football movie, and it is one of the, my favorite football movies of all time. So this is the hardest question you could ask me. So <laughs> I'm going to say this only because I just saw a t-shirt and it was the princess and the frog. And she's like, I don't kiss frogs, right? <laughs> and it was just, she was a princess, but she was about her business. And she was like, you're not going to waylay me. So I'm all about that empowered female. So the princess and the frog, although he turned out to be a prince, she proved that, you know what? You're a princess. You can do it on your own. You know, the prince is just an adornment. You're the true rock star. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Lone Stars Lending Leaders Podcast. Please like, subscribe, and rate us five stars anywhere you get your podcasts. A special thank you to the Lone Star Podcast Production team, Jim Paolino, Tim Austin, and John Gardner. <laughs>